Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. So this morning's passage is about the second coming, and no longer are the judgments being issued from heaven in the form of those judgments that we've been looking at. Now Jesus himself is going to come to the earth, and he is going to put an end to this period that we've been talking about for so long. And after this, ju- after this judgment of Christ coming to the earth, it's going to get so much better for us. Our scripture today says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold. Welcome to our Bible study. There is a sense in which everything before this in the book of Revelation is an introduction to this revelation or the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Now he returns to earth in power and glory. When Jesus comes, he comes on a white horse. In biblical times, most soldiers were foot soldiers. To have a horse in battle was a significant advantage. A horse spoke of honor, of power, and of speed. The color of this horse speaks of victory. Now let's join Pastor Rob in chapter 19 of Revelation, starting in verse 11. Uh, Let's open our Bibles now to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. And why don't we stand together and let's read through verses 11 through 21. Revelation 19, verses 11 through 21. It says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one knew except himself. And he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron." He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slaves, small and great. And I saw the beasts, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. 
Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. And these two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all of the birds were filled with their flesh. Father, we thank you for this passage, Lord, perhaps the most significant portion of Scripture in the entire Bible. And Lord, we are aware of the gravity of this passage. Lord, it's what we, the whole earth is waiting for. Lord, the, the final summation of the battle of good and evil. And Lord, you will always prevail because you are God Almighty. And Lord, help us to understand these things. And Lord, may it spur within us, Lord, a great desire, Lord, to minister to those around us. Lord, that they would never have to go through the trials and the the great tribulation that is going to come on the earth. Your word has spoken of this. And so, Father, help us to be your ambassadors, your loving ambassadors, sharing the truth and love to those around us, Lord. And so we pray for your blessing and that you'd open it to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Before we get into this passage... I just quickly want to go through the difference between the rapture and the second coming. There, there, there is confusion uh, within the church, and maybe you're not confused, but some are. But there is a difference between the rapture and the second coming. The rapture of the church is something that could happen at any moment. It speaks of imminency. The Bible says that the church will be removed. That the dead in Christ, we read of this in 1 Thessalonians 4 many days ago, that the dead in Christ will rise and they will receive a new body. Those who have already died, even perished, even are in dust in the graves, their bodies will be renewed and remade and they will be caught up together. And then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with the Lord and we will be with him for seven years while God pours out his wrath on an unbelieving, God-rejecting world. That is the rapture of the church. Let's not confuse that with what we're looking at this morning because the second coming or the, this, uh, this passage we're looking at this morning is a separate incident. The rapture is at the beginning, the church is removed, and then all those chapters that we've been reading, chapters 6 through 19, or 6 through 18 especially, all those are happening while the church is in glory in heaven with Jesus. The beam of seat judgment takes place, the marriage of the Lamb, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and then finally on our honeymoon we come back and we go for a trip. And we're coming back with the Lord Jesus Christ, him on a white horse, and we are going to follow him on white horses. And then when he comes back physically to the earth, physically to the earth, he will set foot on the earth. That is what we're looking at this morning. That is what is called the second coming of Christ. And so when we look at the rapture, that could happen at any any moment. There's very stark differences between the rapture and the second coming. It could happen at any time. It could happen in the twinkling of an eye. The world's not going to see it. It's going to happen that quick, and we are going to be translated. The dead in Christ are going to rise. We looked at that, and we who are alive and remain will be translated. And where are we meeting the Lord? We're going to meet him in the clouds, in in the air. It's not going to be something that he's going to come down yet. He's going to meet us there. We are going to rise to him. Follow me? But Jesus does not set foot on the earth at that time because we're with him. And it is called the blessed hope. 
and we compare that or contrast that with the second coming. And there are many things that need to happen before the second coming. We've been looking at them. We've been looking at the, the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, the bowl judgments, all of these wraths of God upon the earth while we are with him. And there are many things that have to happen before he comes. The lawless one has to be revealed. He hasn't been revealed. And he won't be revealed until you and I are taken up to glory. And the whole world will see when Jesus comes back. We'll see scriptures today that will talk about that. Everyone will see it. And Jesus and the armies of heaven, the church, physically, we come back to the earth. We set foot on terra firma once again after being with our Savior for seven years in glory. And this this, uh, second coming is called, among many things, there are many names for it, it's the great day of the wrath of God Almighty. The day of the Lord. It's the beginning of the day of the Lord. So this morning's passage is about the second coming. And no longer are the judgments being issued from heaven in the form of those judgments that we've been looking at. Now Jesus himself is going to come to the earth. And he is going to put an end to this period that we've been talking about for so long. And after this, ju- after this judgment of Christ coming to the earth, it's going to get so much better for us. But there are many over the years and over the century, really over the last few millennia, who have scoffed at this idea of the return of Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter says, Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. Have you met any? Perhaps there's some in your family. Those who have said, where, you know, people have been talking about this forever. When is he coming? I don't see it. It's not going to happen. Of course, the rapture will precede that. But they don't believe either one of those. They, they, they might even assume that they're both the same thing. But notice that they will walk according to their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning. Nothing has changed. It's not going to change. It's always going to be the way it was. That's kind of the attitude. But that's not the way it's going to be. And it's okay. I mean, it's actually not okay. But they have the right, if they choose to, Because they're a free person, they can think what they want. But the Bible tells us something different. And how important, then, is it for us to share that truth with them? To share the word of God with people. Because see, you and I hold this treasure in our hands, this truth of the word of God. There's nothing greater. There's no other book in the universe that's true. There's no other, there's no media, there's no, there's nothing, there's nothing. This is it, folks. This is the truth. Jesus is the truth. And the only other physical thing on this earth that manifests truth is this. This book and the Spirit of God in you. But this is it. So it behooves me then, if that is the truth, that I had to dig into it. I had to love it and really search it out and seek it out and and ask God to give me understanding. Amen? And I pray that that's what you do. Because that's what we're called to do. That's why we gather today like this, to be built up so that we can go out into the real mission field and minister to family, friends, co-workers, all those people out there. We need to be ready. Be ready, church. That's why we go through this line upon line, book by book, chapter by chapter. 
And notice that even as Jesus returned, when he returns to the earth in judgment, he also does it in mercy. And you may be thinking, what are you talking about? What did Jesus say in Matthew 24? He says, for then there will be a great tribulation, which we've been looking at, haven't we? Such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. This is it. This will be the final thing. And notice what he says. Unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Jesus himself, as we're going to read this morning, is going to interrupt that process in mercy. Do you understand that? In mercy, even in judgment, there is mercy. Isn't that a wonderful God that we serve? I mean, think of that. Think of all the lives that are going to be spared and have an opportunity to know him as a result of him coming back. He's not just this wrathful God who just can't wait to smash you with a hammer. See, there's many people who have that understanding of a God, and it's so wrong. God is the most gracious and merciful and loving being that ever has existed. And people always filter things. They look through the Bible with their own lens instead of looking through the lens of the Bible. You know you have that ability, don't you? You can look at a truth, and you can put on your own glasses that have some kind of swirly effect on it, right? And you can uh, interpret the Bible whatever way you want. There's an old phrase that says, if you torture the data long enough, it'll confess to anything. But you look at the Bible straightforward and you read it verbatim. And you trust what it says. It means what it says and says what it means. Jesus says what he means and he means what he says. We don't need, and honestly, a child can understand. They may not get the, the, the mysteries and stuff, but you know what? There's, there's enough mystery in there to keep us going, but there's enough truth in there that's very obvious and very easy for us to understand. And salvation is certainly one of those things. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. We've sinned. God's standard is perfect. He came to save us. We receive him as Savior. We go to heaven. It's pretty good. And so let's go to verse 11 now. So even Jesus in his mercy, even in his judgment, he is merciful to put an end to it. Otherwise, no flesh would be saved. Trust me, as we have been going through what we've been going through in Revelation, if he didn't interrupt it, there would be such great devastation. Mentally, physically, spiritually, physically. But notice what it says in verse 11. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. Behold, a white horse, and he saw heaven opened. Now there were two places, two times in the scripture where heaven was opened. The first one was in Revelation 4. Remember after we talked about the seven churches? And what does it say in Revelation 4? It says, and I looked, and, 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 and I was caught up. The, the, head, the, the door in heaven was opened, and John, being a representative of the church, was raptured, and he's taken up. And now, as we get into Revelation 19, another door is opened in heaven. This time, it's not someone going up. Now it's those coming down. It's Jesus and those, the saints, you and I, the church, coming back with Jesus Christ. So there's two openings. I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was faithful and true. And you may be, for you animal lovers out there, you may be thinking, oh great, there's animals in heaven. Well, maybe. We know that in, uh, in, uh, in heaven, it speaks of uh, some passages where there's horses involved. So I don't want to make a dogma or a doctrine out of this. You can't do that. 
But I do find it interesting when we look at 2 Kings chapter 2. Remember Elijah when he was taken with the chariot of fire and the chariot or the, the horses of fire. They came down and took him in a whirlwind and took him to glory. They were horses. And again, don't misunderstand me about this. Because you'll come to me and say, what about my goldfish? Is he going to be in heaven? I don't know. If it's important enough for, for God to have that goldfish there, it'll be there. If it's not, you probably, you probably won't really worry and miss it. Okay, Things will be different. But in 2 Kings chapter 6, remember when Elisha and his servant was surrounded by the Syrian army, and Elisha said, Lord, open my servant's eyes. And he did. And what was, what was surrounding the host of Syria, their enemy? A host of heaven with chariots of fire, and chariots are horses of fire. There's something interesting about this horse. Again, not to build a doctrine at all, but it's just interesting. And Jesus is coming back on a white horse. Often generals, when they were successful in battle, as they, as they came into the town that they are from after a victory in battle, they would come in on a horse, probably a stallion, even a white horse, as a sign of victory. And they would have all the captives that they took in war following them. We saw that with Titus Vespasian when he came back into Rome. He did the same thing. But this white horse and the rider on it is Jesus Christ, unlike the counterfeit that we saw in Revelation chapter 6. Remember in Revelation 6, we saw this, when the first sealed judgment was open, we saw a, 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 someone on a white horse who had a crown on his head, and he went out conquering and to conquer. This is not Jesus in Revelation 6. This is the Antichrist, the counterfeit of the perfect Christ. And the Bible says that Jesus, when he comes back, he who sat on him is faithful and true. Faithful and true. Revelation 1, verse 4 says, Grace to you and peace from him who was and who was and who, who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, what? The faithful witness. He is the only faithful one. There's no one quite faithful like Jesus. Can you trust him? Can you trust this true and faithful one? I think we can. He's always faithful. He'll always be faithful to you. He's always truthful. He'll never lie to you. He embodies truth and faithfulness. In fact, he is the embodiment of those words. And any truth or faithfulness that's in me is only because the Holy Spirit is in me and I've got a small portion of it that I'm exercising. You follow me? So it's important to trust him. He is faithful and true. And what did he say in John 14, verse 6? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He is all of these things. And notice in verse 12, his eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. Underline that, many crowns, not just one. And he had a name written no one knew except for himself, but his eyes were like a flame of fire. Fire speaks of what? It speaks of purity. Do you desire purity? Blessed are those, right, Jesus said, who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want a pure heart, don't you? I don't know about you, but my whole world, the whole world actually, not just my world, it's your world too, by the way, uh, the entire world is against you. It's entertainments, it's music, it's movies, everything is corrupting our souls. And how are we dealing with that? What are we doing with that? Are we taking heed to our heart? For from it comes forth the issues of life. Isn't that true? Isn't that what the Bible says? How important is it for us to, to walk in truth and to, and, and, and to 
Turn away from those things. Turn away from the filthy things, folks. The music, the TV, the DVDs in your house that you know you're looking at, and you're like, they shouldn't be in, in your house. There's some in my house. I mean, nothing rated R or anything, but you know what? PG-13, about 10 or 15 years ago, used to be called rated R. We've got to be honest with ourselves and, and ask the hard questions. But he has eyes like flame of fire. They, 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 they pierce right through everything. He can see as if, you know, he can see through lead. He's not like Superman who can't see through lead. Jesus can see through everything. He can see in the darkness. The darkness and the light are the same to him. He could be in a completely dark room and tell the, see the dust in the corner of the room on the floor. His eyes are a, are a pure, holy flame of fire. No wonder that John, when he was in his presence, he saw him and he fell as if he was dead. In Revelation 1.17 it says, And when I saw him, John says, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid, I'm the first and the last. This one who was so pure and holy. Believe me, if Jesus were to manifest himself here, we would all naturally, involuntarily, fall to our face. Because we'd be in the presence of someone who is beyond our wildest dreams. If any one of us were to stand up here, we would kind of look and say, why, why are they there? <laughs> but if Jesus were to show up, involuntarily we would all fall on our face and say, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me. You get my drift? This is who we, this is who we serve, this whole, holy and pure one. And there is no doubt who this is referring to because we see in Revelation uh, chapter 1, verse 12, remember uh, what John said, he says, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band, his head and hair were white like wool, white as snow, his eyes, again, like a flame of fire. There's no doubt who this is. His feet were like fine brass, as refined in a furnace, his voice the sound of many waters. In Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, what did Paul say? That Jesus would come in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is who he is. The great Son of God, the great King of kings, and the Lord of lords. And he had many crowns on his head. This word crowns is diadem. There are two words for crowns in the Bible. One is a diadem, which is what this is referring to. And then there's a Stephanos, which is a, a victor's crown, like a laurel wreath that you'd win in one of the games. But this crown is a kingly crown. It is a more significant crown. It speaks of all authority. And not only does he have one crown, but notice, underline it says many crowns. The Antichrist came, and he had seven heads and ten crowns on those heads, or, you know, um, on those ten heads, seven crowns, or ten crowns. You get my point. But those were all, um, and, and the Lord will not be undone by Satan. He alone is worthy to be enthroned and crowned with many crowns. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon the throne. Hark how the heavenly angels sing. Amen. Many crowns on his head. 
And there was a name written that no one knew except for himself. And the majority of the text literally has, there were names written and that nobody could understand or know. Names written, and only he knew them. It speaks of a character, doesn't it? When you name a child, you know, we should probably name a child after they're around 20 years old, because by then you really find out who they are, and then you can accurately name I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.